about like I let you steer the ship and I'll just follow suit? Something tell me that you weren't too prepared to do this podcast episode. What up, mi gente? It's Vero Fuerte. Yo, it's Ricardo Americano, aka Mexican Natsu. And we're here to help you navigate the world as two Hispanics, Latinos, Latinx, brown people. What are we again? Well, that's what we're here to discover on the In Limit Spanish podcast. Each week, you'll listen in on two millennial minorities chop it up on what it means to navigate both cultures on and off the internet. Along with the latest in music, movies, and more. Here, here on, on the, the In Living Spanglish, Spanglish podcast. podcast. What up, what up, what up, mi gente? And we are back, season two of In Living Spanglish. I am your host, Pero Fuerte, with my even more illustrious co-host here, Mr. Ricardo Mexicano. Say what's up. Oh, welcome, everybody. Um, I'm a brand new man. I've, I've always been a brand new man. Um, I'm probably the, the best there is, the best there, uh, the best there was, the best there ever will be. And, uh, you know, I'm a force to be reckoned with inside and out. This should become, I mean, this should be my show at the end of the day. I don't know what I'm talking about yeah. right now. <laughs> for everything I just said, forget all that crap. Because it's not real. Well, except for me being the best, because that, that's true. Uh, but yeah, you already know what it is, man. It's your boy, the Mexicano, a.k.a. Mexican Nacho, a.k.a. Baby R, a.k.a. R Baby. Uh, you already know, it goes on and on. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Yeah. New year, new beginning. This is the part where, you know, the last week of December, you know, you can be as dreamy and hopeful about, like, what's to come. And then, you know, we a month in, homie. We are, like, it is the 31st of January. This is like, literally the last day of January. Mm-hmm. That's where we're recording this mm-hmm. at, I don't even want to say the time, but... I know that you don't believe in New Year's resolutions. Did you have anything that you wanted to do? Never will. And I, and I, and I don't No, It's just for me. It's like, there are obviously things that I set to do, but I just don't put that label on it. Mm -hmm. It's just for me. It's like, and that's why I respect people. Like, because I know, because it's the only difference is just putting that name on it. But I know people still have their goals at the end of the day. And I feel like as much as I have respect for them, they should have respect for me to like not want to submit to like putting an actual label. No, I mean, and that's like a philosophical difference at the end of the day, because literally I know people that are all about setting their goals and making it super public, you know, because they believe in public accountability, you know, Mm -hmm. and I kind of sort of lean more towards that. Like I want to tell people like, yo, like this is what I'm about. I feel like I work better under scrutiny i work better under pressure you know and i just i tend to tick that way and other people they are probably like you under the philosophy of like you know keep your shit close to the uh, close to your vest uh don't let your enemy know your next move like etc etc like that kind of stuff yeah exactly 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 so you already know what it is you already know what i'm talking about you know yeah but it's it's all for the for the the end the end goal was always the same yeah. You know, betting yourself for the for the new year, which, you know, I'm all about. I root people for that. You know, if they want to embark on a new journey as a person in the new year, that's great. You know, and if you like me have been uh, four weeks into this new year and have done nothing but eat a gorditas and like a whole pound cake by yourself, then I feel you on that, too, my homie. We one of the things that happened to me majorly in January is that as much as I tried is I've been digging around for like, you know how when the new year starts, you want to, you know, curate that new playlist, you want to, you know, dive deep into that new content, this, that and the other. But to be 
completely honest with you, I've been struggling to find something like new and inspiring to watch or listen to so far this year. Yeah, me too. I don't know what it is. Like, I thought at first that I was not digging hard enough. I thought mm. that I was like just missing things. Ditto. And I'm just like, like, what's going on? Like, is 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 it that the content is not coming out? Because there's always new movies. There's always new stuff being pumped out. But I think we're always, I think in this day and age, we're so always used to that fast frequency of things that when it like slows down for any amount of time, we quickly notice it. We're like, oh man, like something doesn't feel right, you know? And you know what's, you know what? I've actually been thinking about that a lot in the sense of like, Sometimes I feel like we have so much new music and we have so much new shows and we have so much new short films to check out this, that, and the other. I feel like there should be a new word out there invented that should like be in psychology textbooks for like content overwhelm. Out of the two of us, which one of us has currently 58 tabs open on their phone because they can't bear to close down a single article that they have yet to read? This young lady right here in front yes. of me. Yeah, yeah, so I have 58 tabs open on my cell phone, and then on my laptop, I have, what, like, 30-something? We're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into the exact number here, folks. But There's like, a word for it, though. Is there? Yeah, it's infophobia. Infophobia? Oh, no, no, not not phobia. Info... Infobesity. Infobesity? Now you're just making shit up. You're just trying to make me feel it's a, bad. It's a, it's a real word. Ricardo Mexicano. No, no, no. Keep talking. I'm going to look it up oh, for you. I feel like I've hit such a dry spell with music and, you know, between the two of us, we're really good at like diving deep and like really finding those albums that, that like stick with you, you know, uh -huh. like your mom's gumbo or, or, or like really great caldo on a cold winter's day. Uh, same here. Uh, check your phone, by the way. What, what did you, you find the name? I, I found it. I tell you, I don't be making stuff up. I, I bring straight facts, like like no printer, you know? I, I have not, like, I, I haven't gotten anything from you yet. Hold on. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't All right, around. so Ricardo just sent me a message, even though, like, we are literally, like, 10 feet across from each other. He could have just told me. It's called, uh, an article said, Infobesity. Information overload is the difficulty of under is the d difficulty in understanding an issue and effectively making decisions when one has too much information about that issue and is generally associated with excessive quantity of daily information. We are all susceptible to this. I have mm -hmm. a horrible mental filter about this shit. Like, this is, I'm telling you, this is the infobesity. Like, now I'm on your train, Ricardo. I'm telling you. Infobesity is going to be the kind of thing that, like, the way that we worry about certain strains of like mental health and certain strains of like self-care in a couple of years because i can yeah. already feel it yeah no for sure and like i said it's that overwhelming amount of like it's crazy that be, like when you have so much choice that that can actually become an issue it's paralyzing it's like it's like with the whole like streaming thing like there we have more choice than we've ever had before in our in our lives mm -hmm. than than our parents than their parents etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's crazy that a lot of times 
and I've, and I've talked to other people about this, how we'll be searching, right? But then you'll pretty much just put on the office because that's what you're used to. Because mm-hmm. you've been watching the office forever. So mm-hmm. you, you think you're going to you think you're gonna scroll through and watch that new show. But no, nah, really, realistically, you're just going to sit down and watch Battlestar Galactica again okay, or Star but, Trek. Okay, okay. But scratch that. Realistically, we're going to spend about like a good 45 minutes scrolling through Netflix trying to decide what to watch only then to watch 30 minutes of The Office. And you see me, like, I'm the same way with, like, YouTube. I, we have the, the, the TV app up right now. You, uh, I'm pretty sure you've seen me before, like, scrolling and probably picking something that I've already watched before just to watch mm-hmm. it again. I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I'll be embarrassed. I'll wait till, like, you leave to, like, watch something that I've already watched again because I don't want you to know You're that I'm watching. literally? Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm like, I enjoy it, uh-huh. so I don't want somebody to see me, like, rewatching the thing again because, like, that makes me feel that I don't have, like, it any... It makes you feel stale. Yeah, like, like I'm, yeah, that I'm not willing to watch something else, which like I am. Like, old bread. Like, yeah. that, and that would be your middle Mexican name. Ricardo, old bread, Mexicano. No. Yeah. No, 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 but for real, no, I totally, I totally get what you mean, though, yeah. and I'm so glad that, like, you told me that, because I literally thought that I was the only person at night, you know, when I close my bedroom door, and I turn on my TV, for, like, the first month that I lived here, I watched nothing but Girlfriends mm-hmm. at, and Girlfriends at the end of the night. I remember that. And then, I switched to uh, Schitt's Creek, David and Patrick Forever Ever, by the way, and then, right now, like, for whatever twisted turn of events, I'm like obsessed with the mary tyler moore show and that's what i watch for like episodes on end like before i fall asleep why do we do that like i don't understand it's it's gotta be some psychological thing it's really weird it's comfort you know the same way that that the that snack we eat before going to bed is comfort yeah yeah, it's just something very familiar uh something that we can rely on to like make us feel good no, like, I feel guilty as shit the next day. Like, I wake up in my bed, and especially if I left the TV on. Man, did I really fall asleep with the TV on? Like, some sort of, like, slob or some shit? Like, I feel horrible. Oh, really? Yes, I can't stand it. I don't and, think you should feel bad about it. But, well, like, but I can't sleep with with noise like that. So so that, that that's my reasoning for, leave, for never leaving the TV but on. But I come from, like, a loud 20, 30-something member me- Mexican household. Like, I, ha- I was trained to sleep through trains and planes and automobiles and whatever other movie Steve Martin starred in. That's oh, what I mean. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I could deal with humans talking around me mm-hmm. and falling asleep, but I can't deal with the TV on. Ah. It's really weird. No, then, I can uh, sleep through anything. I'm a rock. It's somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and we've talked about how that's going to be your downfall yeah, plenty yeah, of time yeah, before. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm going to get murdered in my sleep one day, I promise yes. you. So, I think I think briefly you mentioned that mm-hmm. you, you still haven't found that album that like really stick with you for the month of uh, January. I mean, I don't latch on to music as much as I used to. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe, and this has been happening for like the past five years where I'm like, no matter how much I love an artist, I'm never eager to listen to that artist right away. Yeah, you're really know, weird I, about that. And I don't know why that is. Like, I, I like, I'll, if, it, it could be Kanye, it could be Drake, but I'll always, I'm, I'm always gonna listen to it the day I want to. A month could go by, and then I eventually finally decide to listen to it. I, can, I you could be genuinely excited, but you still have that added pressure to listen to it because everybody else is talking about it. That's yeah, what I mean. but then who are you to say that like my pressure is less sincere than yours? I mean, the, my enthusiasm is less sincere than yours just because I listen to it the day of and you listen to it six months later. No, on the on the contrary. I think my enthusiasm is less because I don't mm-hmm. do that. I think I think people who who do it off, off the rip, whether it's hype or not, mm-hmm. they're more sincere than I am. 
I feel like I feel like there's a there's a part of me that kind of like I don't know like almost died that doesn't get excited oh for God. yeah that doesn't get excited for music yeah and I, and I want to know what happened you know what and are I, you talking about you are one of the most musically inclined yeah. people that I know no and I love music but I don't get excited like that for uh-huh. it and that's the same way that and that's what happened to me in video games mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to be a, a huge video game fan I still am I just don't really play them anymore and that's mm-hmm. what happened with me mu- with uh video games with me that I I slowly started started pl- I slowly stopped playing them and eventually I stopped playing them completely and then no matter what type of game came out I would like for a moment or two I would like be oh that's cool and then never think about it again mm-hmm. and like I feel like that's kind of happened to me again with like music with new where, albums with like new albums and I'm just like Yes, I know I'm going to listen to it because music is something that, that unlike video games, I know it's something that, that probably won't go away as far as my love for it. Which, like I said, I still have love for video games. I just, I'm just missing that final piece, of and that's actually playing video games. Whereas music, um, I feel like I'll never stop listening to music, but that interest, that, that teenage me that used to, like, you know, stay up, you know, waiting for an album when to an drop. album to drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I would like, you know, spend hours at Walmart, uh, scanning the little barcode on the CD and put on them headphones to like listen to like the twenty second previews of like each song on there. Like, you know, I, I would, you know, do that good all the times, time. Good times, man, good times. And then just stand there for hours. And maybe you're just a victim of like just having everything like readily at your disposal. You know, you're just like, I mean, I have everything when I want it. There's no rush to get it, sort of thing. Yeah. Doesn't make me less of a not fan. me. I still, uh, I still get super hyped. I mean, it depends on the thing. It depends on the artist and stuff, of course. But uh, I know that something else that you wanted to go ahead and touch on. I mean, speaking of you know hype and everything else that's uh, trending right now. Uh yeah, I was watching this video today uh, by ContraPoints. Who, if you don't know who she, who she is, she is a um, a trans uh, YouTuber. Uh, you know, she's been making great content for like the past like three or something years. That's when I first heard about her, like the past two years, I think, was when I first discovered her. And she does like uh, commentary videos on a wide range of topic, from like men to like like cancel culture. And she recently dropped one a few days ago on J.K. Rowling, which you know, for people who don't know, J.K. Rowling has been kind of recently infamous for her. Not recently. <laughs> it's been going on for the last couple of years. Yeah. So, um. I just say recent in, in like the relative, you know, speak of things, but she has been, you know, throwing out her opinions on on opinions nobody ever asked for on certain uh, uh, things relating to the trans community, and she's been very vocal and standing behind what she has to say, mm-hmm. and you know, J.K. Rowling, right? Yeah, J.K. Rowling, and really making friends with not so. I wouldn't say they're not good people. Because I don't really know them, but the people that... Not inclusive douche buckets, yes. Yeah, the people that, you know, are supporting her message, Mm -hmm. you know, which are usually uh, TERFs, which, if you don't know, are that is the trans-exclusionary radical feminists, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of like the the pinnacle of, like, what people imagine the angry feminist to be, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, you know you know, it doesn't really have to be said here, but, you know, not all all feminists are the same, not all feminists think think alike. But that's kind of like the mental image you get when you think of somebody who doesn't who has a distaste for feminists. They think of a turf usually. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And like, uh, I guess like an example of that would be like a feminist that, you know, is very, very like deliberately anti-man and a lot of times anti-blackness and anti, you know, basically a turf like their idea of equal opportunity is equal opportunity for like white, able-bodied, straight women. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, a.k.a. non-inclusive douche buckets. But mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, definitely uh, a misandrist and, you know, everything else you can mm-hmm. think of under the sun. But uh, getting back to ContraPoint, she recently made a video about J.K. Rowling and really not so much about J.K. Rowling in particular. Obviously, the title insinuates it's about her and it does get into a great detail about, you know, her comments in the past and how she kind of like inserts certain messages subliminally into like her books particularly with uh, Trouble Blood. I think it's a book that recently came out last year, which uh, involves it's a... It's not a Harry Potter No, no, no. It's, not, it's book, nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing to do with Harry Potter. This is separate. And mm-hmm. it's actually under a different... Uh, pe- it's, it's under a different pen name, mm-hmm. actually. Um, a pseudonym, and, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And she... Uh, there's a character in the book that cross-dresses and goes after women exclusively. And a lot of people first saw that as her, once again, attacking the trans community by um, depicting people, because, you know, historically, people who cross-dress would be seen as, you know, this demented figure, especially in media, that want to prey on women, that are trying to get close to women just to hurt them, uh, whether that be, you know, so he, you know, she brought up Psycho, you know, with Norman Bates dr- dressing up like a woman, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and there's various other examples. There's a, there's a movie with Michael Caine from... Uh, what people nowadays most known for uh, the Batman uh, trilogy for playing Alfred, uh, but he he was like a crossdresser in like a a movie back in the seven no eighty three I think or something like that, and uh, B- uh, Buffalo Buffalo Bill two from uh, Silence of the Lamb. So a lot of people are saying that she's using this old trope to once again paint trans people in a, in a terrible in a terrible light, and and that's just one example. You know, she has many many other examples. I think she wrote like this. Uh, I think over the summer last year, in like June, she wrote like this giant, um, like, I don't know how many page um, essay, kind of like detailing like her her issues, once again, her like, and kind of like burning out her opinion on what she thinks um, trans people are and like how she feels about it and all that. And at the core of the video that ContraPoint made, she's really talking about, you know, bigotry and how even the people that you think have this this wide range view of openness and being kind to everybody can even fall victim to to bigotry mm-hmm. and i guess what are some of her examples of bigotry that she thinks that even like quote-unquote nice people fall into it she she ultimately broke it down into well her summary was you know bigotry doesn't always equal hate that hate can be uh, exclusive from bigotry and that usually most of the time bigotry has to have some sort of political uh, tie to it because you can have you can have um, you know southern rednecks who hate gays screaming at you all day that they don't like you mm-hmm. but did that make them did that make them uh, do they do they necessarily hate you? Yes. Or do they necessarily? But that's the thing. Do they ne- do 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 racist white Southerns 
who have a problem with homosexuality, do they necessarily hate you or do they feel threatened? And and there there, there was the there was that clear distinction that she was making in the video where threatened it's like threatened to what like threatened for what though like that's my question like she, she well she also brought up like the whole thing of like the the way of life you know and like why certain men you know traditional heterosexual men why do they uh, hate homo uh, I don't want to say hate uh, why do they uh, are are biggest towards other homosexual is it is it actual hatred or is it feeling threatening of their own masculinity being threatened. I think where the problem is that a feeling threatened to the point of showing hate like that makes no longer mutually exclusive. Like if you feel threatened to the point of shouting at someone and being mean to them and making them feel lesser than around you, then that officially is hate no matter where it derives from. Um, I'm not saying that like a person that is racist or is, you know, a bigot towards uh, somebody in a transsexual community or somebody that is not the same, same skin, skin color as them shouldn't seek out some sort of therapy and obviously shouldn't uh, and obviously should expose themselves to like more uh, people of different lifestyles and environments but hate is hate is hate is hate just like love is love is love is love and like yes hate can come from all different sources but like let's not start trying to divide feeling threatened and showing hate like as if it was some sort of excuse because it's not I see where you're coming from, but I think you're still missing the, the point of the video where it's, it's talking about how, because you can have hate, of course, but the, the thing is bigotry. Like, what, what separates bigotry from hate? There's a difference. There's a clear difference because they're, they're not mutually uh, uh, exclusive. Yeah, so it's like, so like what makes, just because somebody's a bigot, does that, does that necessarily mean that they hate that group too? And that's the ultimate question of the video that she's trying to get across. She brought up a good example with um with the the Nazis, mm-hmm. uh in in uh during the Holocaust, and how they viewed the the Jews and other people who were persecuted during that time as they could be doing something just as how they did it, how they can have their their version of friendship, mm-hmm. you know, gay people, whoever whoever it may be, Jews, but. Just because that they hate the re- the reason that they're friends doesn't mean that they can't understand why they could be friends among themselves. Like feeling threatening and a political tie to it. Like what, what, what is something that you hold value that you feel is being threatening at the end of the day? For like, like say for example, for turfs and transsexuals, they feel that they're almost quote unquote replacing women. That men, and this is usually you know trans women, men who men who transition to women, they feel that they are trying to create this uh this facade of what a woman is and that you know they're, they're actually predators that they're going inside the bathrooms to harass women all these you know ridiculous lies that they make up but because they feel that their their uh political uh notion of being a woman in, in the society is being threatened you know our issues are being overlooked now because we're now making way for trans women we feel threatened and we need to make sure that this stops. Mm-hmm. And so how is that different from their hatred of trans people? Like I said, I think JK Rowling is a good example because I do believe that. And I think Contra, uh, Contra point also point, uh, makes this great example that she can believe that she may not hate all trans women, but the, 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 
the notion that some sort of her livelihood and what she knows as being a woman and her struggle over women is being threatened is what concerns her the most. J.K. Rowling. Yeah. Because she's not saying anything about trans men, you know, women mm-hmm. that transition into men. So it's like, like, do you really hate all trans people or is it just this specific point that's really uh, concerning you? Is it you? trans women specifically? Yeah. Because she, does she identify as a turf herself? No, but she has, you know, I mean... I don't want to call her anything, but I mean, at some points, varying degrees of like turf ideology has definitely uh, creeped into her brain. So at the end of the day, like I said, without actually having like read her remarks and stuff, like it's hard to say. I guess like when it comes to bigotry, yes, I believe that. Um, I believe that it would have a political ideology, but I still don't understand where that separates it from, you know, hate in general. To me, it's just like a chicken or the egg thing. But like, I know that when it comes to like Latinos and people of like Latinx and stuff, like if anybody has ever stepped to me or uh, to my family with any sort of hate, like I've automatically assumed that along with that, it's because, you know, they're bigots of some form or another, you know, I've never thought in my mind to separate, well, maybe they just feel threatened because of their way of life. No, like sometimes white people are just douchebags. And, and um, she also bring up, she brought up a good example of how, like, let's say, because they say a lot of things that have to do with bigotry a lot of times stem from trauma. Uh, and that, let's say you were mugged when you were a teenager. You're white, you're a white 16-year-old, you know, and you were mugged by a black man, right? It's understandable for you to be fearful of, of, of a black man, maybe for those first couple of days, those first couple of months, feeling that you can't trust somebody at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. that's trauma, that's your trauma, you're, you're going through it, right? So you may not trust uh, people who may look like that, but for you to go 20 years down the line and for you to, uh, then still associate that with all black people, all black men, that right there then turns to hate. So you could be a bigot in the very beginning by assuming that, but then the, the timeline and how that has affected you in the future can then turn into hate. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're, if you're actively vocal against like black lives matter, that many years later because you still have this notion in you that's still bigotry that, I'm, i will say that that's more hatred at that point but I'm that's saying, I, that's even more politically uh that's even more politically speared because you're actually talking about going against a movement yeah yeah i can see the argument too for sure yeah mm-hmm. to me i i guess i just uh, i think it's a very very thin separation but it, i mean it is an interesting topic to bring up just in the fact that I think about it in the sense of like the shoes on the other foot. Like, I'll be honest, like there are times when I was in college and, you know, it was daylight savings time. So, you know how sometimes you get out of those classes like at seven o'clock at night and the sun's already set and you're just like walking by the street lamps of your campus and shit. And my heart, I kid you not, Ricardo Mexicano, my heart would start racing um, if I walked the same side of the street that a white man walked on, like I would cross the street and I would walk in the other direction just so I wouldn't be on the same street. And like, of course, this was during the time um, where a lot of stuff was on the news about uh, what was that? Uh, that that Brock Turner guy mm-hmm. and just like a lot of horrible things that were going on, you know, that were pre- 
perpetrated by privileged white men. And so me, like as a five foot nothing, like Latinx, like 20 something year old, like at, at this point of my life, like for the most part, if I'm walking down a dark road to this day, I will cross the street if I see a white man before I see a man of any other color. And so does that make me a bigot? I I don't know. Like, you tell me. Like, And that's funny because she brought up this uh, this example uh, in the video where she and it was and it was that 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 uh, that old terrible stereotype that people who are trans just want to be perverts and rape and harass women at the end of the day right you know uh, women uh, men that, that transition into women mm-hmm. um, she brought up a, a article by turf that that the argument that they were making was that they by letting um, I think it was like by letting uh, trans women enter women bathrooms that you are stripping away this this uh this notion or or like this this, what you kind of described this this feeling of i have to stay alert i have to i have to make sure that i'm i'm always on my p's and q's because that person could be a sexual deviant wanting to attack me and if i just start believing that all women are women when in fact and you're you know this is a turf this is a turf speaking when that person used to be a, a man I don't know if I can feel safe around that. So, mm-hmm. so it's like it's like what you just described. It's like, how can I? Uh, I'm gonna go on this side of the of the road because I f- I don't feel safe around this white male. And mm-hmm. they're thinking in terms of like, if uh if if trans women are not being allowed into our bathroom, how can I know if that woman is actually quote unquote a woman? It would be more highly reported if that was the case. That well, like, yeah, because it's bull crap. A, yeah, like that a straight male that hated women so much as to rape them and like and you know take their uh like take who they are sexually by force hated them enough to dress up like one and then like stalk them in the back like that's a lot of fucking effort like i just and that's the point because that 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 uh, i don't even call it a trope because that that idea is completely false and and ridiculous yeah of course trans women not saying that it couldn't happen because you know everybody's different you know there could be a a, a a trans woman that could be a serial killer you never know but i'm when the bet 99.9 percent of trans people are just normal people trying to live their lives just mm-hmm. like everybody else is and doesn't want nothing to do with murdering or raping you you know yeah, even more so because like they're not in a lot of parts of society they're still not recognized as like who they are or who they want to be exactly you know, they're only they're only considered, you know, part human or part like the gender they choose. It's 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 something that, you know, neither you or I can relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If I wasn't able to explain this the best, I would definitely go check out her video. Once again, it's ContraPoints, C-O-N-T-R-A points spelled the usual way. Uh, the video is just called J.K. Rowling. And, you know, you can check out her entire channel. Really great stuff. Like I said, it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, just, and just, her sets are so elaborate. It's really yeah, badass. yeah, yeah. She's it's always really like that. badass. She's always like that. Yeah, yeah. her sets. She's always getting like you know. I know you saw that transition when she was like in the bathtub mm-hmm. with like that cutout Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, and yeah, then she yeah, went yeah. back to like that her. That was hilarious. She went back to her. She was like she was like bathing in like some like she said it was like milk and like absinthe salt and like 
some other stuff like all mixed up. Yeah, Ro- rich bitch shit. Yeah, Ro- got it, Ro- got it, got it. Rose petals everywhere. Uh-huh. You know, you know, really, really, really dripping, literally uh-huh. dripping in the in the bathtub. So there was another thing that we wanted to go ahead and we wanted to touch on because this is probably the only thing besides uh, one of the few things that I actually got really excited about this month, and you actually showed me it just a few days ago. Oh uh, yeah, so yeah, Lil Durk released a new uh, video called Kanye Crazy. Uh, the song itself, you know, to be honest, it, it's kind of mid. You know, it, it it it's really it's okay. You know, the, you know Dirk. If you if you know if you're a fan of Dirk, you kind of know his style. You know how he you know he could get he could get on that you know very melodic sound, and he he could also do on that he could also do the uh, the no auto Dirk. You know where he you know takes off the auto tune yeah. and I mean it's catchy bars. and all, but he ain't gonna win any songwriter awards. And no, shit. no, no, the he's not. The real star of this uh, stuff that he put out was the music video more than yeah, yeah. anything else. Yeah, yeah, the music video is uh, is the the highlight of everything, and uh, it was directed by Cole Bennett. So. You know, for my YouTube heads out there, for my hip hop heads out there, you know, Lyrical Lemonade, you know, Cole Bennett has been, you know, on a tyrant when it comes to uh, releasing these really um, very unique videos that I think a lot of people at this point, you kind of like know when it's a Cole Bennett video without even like seeing the Lyrical Lemonade logo at the very he beginning. Yeah, it's a trademark. Yeah, trademark yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, but you can like see, and he's just a director, you know, obviously there's a lot of people who, um, that go into like the actual sets and you know because he, he thought he doesn't do everything you know but uh his his vision and the way you know he he you know directs it's very distinct you, you can just tell when it's like his type of video and this video in particular it pretty much goes through a, a like a like a timeline of like kanye videos and like everything that he's released up up until like i think what the most recent like homage in that video was like the was probably like the Sunday service stuff. There was like a little bitty clip of like Sunday service when he was like at that white piano. There was like people around him, and of course he did the "I Love It" with little pump video um, um, homage to as well. He did "Heartless." He did. Um, he even did like you know the you know MAGA hat Kanye as well. It uh, was a music video love letter to Kanye in probably the coolest way that I had seen something like and honestly like when you showed me this video one of the first things that I told you was what I'm like I'm surprised that it took someone this long to come up with a concept because uh, basically it was it was Lil Durk um being Kanye like being in like his suits or being in his like uh, in his fits and all that stuff and like and whether it was the bound to video like you said Run away. Or, yeah yeah Run away. and even like uh, uh stronger animation like an animation with the bear and all of that like they basically touched on like like you said it was like a little love letter it was a little timeline of all of Kanye's most iconic moments basically first of all again like i was really surprised that it took anyone that long to do that kind of thing um i think the only thing that i really had in uh like a weird thing about it because i thought it was so sweet but you know me and that word like uh, it, the song itself is called kanye crazy and i mean i'm not a big fan of that word i feel like it's really insensitive i feel like um it uh, normalizes 
um you know like certain stripes in the mental health and like the mental health space way but i don't like the idea of basically people just stuffing kanye in a oh kanye's crazy box you know because there's like just like anybody else because at the end of the day he's human there's a lot more to it than that yeah so. yeah and yeah I, I can see how some people can can uh be a little uh off-putting by the yeah. title yeah know? and that's mostly what it was it was kind of off-putting the title yeah, and I and I kind of understood what he meant. Like, yeah, I was just I kind of looked at him like, okay, yeah, I know what he's doing. Yeah, Kanye's been, you know, kind of wild in the past couple of couple of months, and but I I, I understand that. And the song, like I said, is kind of like being crazy, more so or less about like your drive in life and like towards like a certain person, like equating that to like the the craziness of Kanye, quote unquote, but also like admiring the genius of Kanye because a lot of time when people talk about the craziness they always they eventually they end up talking the about genius. the, the yeah. genius too because you know there's always that old um example like you know name gen- one genius that ain't, that ain't crazy. crazy yeah yeah you know uh you know so it's always that that thing but mm-hmm. the, you know the video's dope song is you know kind of mid like I said it's probably like a high six like 6.6 6.7 in my opinion nothing but nothing to write home about but yes definitely go check out the video uh, amazing, Cole Bennett, Lyrical Lemonade, uh, Lil Durk uh, did a great job on it. So, yeah. And I think that about rounds us out to the last segment of our podcast. Uh, it is back and better than ever. This is a good looking out segment. So this is the part of the podcast where we go ahead and we tell you what we have been into the movie watching TV view binging sphere. So for me more than anything else like the one thing that i have been super super excited about in january that found myself binging which i never ever do is on netflix it's steamy it's english yes i am talking about the not but the one and only bridgerton uh bridgerton actually was uh narrated by julie andrews now i will go ahead and i will say that bridgerton as far as like actual factual it is not because they do very much play into the representation of like let's have everybody and anybody like of any race or ethnicity you know be able to be a queen or be able to be a duke basically the whole story revolves around a girl named Daphne Bridgerton who has to be married off because she's the eldest of her sisters the duke who basically comes into town and does not want to be married at all and wants to like you know keep his single life and all of this that and the other and of course like chaos and drama and steamy romance ensues and i can't say enough about this show because again i'm normally not attracted to these kinds of things because i think they're so like cheesy and cliche but the thing that drew me the most to the show other than like the really kind of stellar acting because the monologues like aggressive chef's kiss were amazing but it was also just the dialogue in general of this show it takes you back to like charles dickens you know jane eyre like charlotte bronte times where like everything is super romantic and honestly like one of the first things that i did uh after i finished binge watching the show which is like um super pays off in the end is i ended up uh, going to my local library and uh renting out a book about a hundred letters of a great men from the 18th century because now you best believe if a like a guy steps to me and he ain't writing me love sonnets 
months instead of you know texting me you up like it ain't happening baby boy it's just not so, so not, you so can thank bridgerton for that so 99 percent of men have no chance yeah, yeah pretty much thanks netflix thanks so that's my wreck <laughs> so uh do you so, so you don't normally like drama pieces no, not like drama romance. I get really tired of them because I feel like I can predict what's going to happen next. Like drama uh, time pieces? Drama yeah. time romance pieces. Yeah. Like Romeo and Juliet, don't care. You know, like that kind of stuff normally doesn't get to me like that. Hmm. Okay. I, 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 I'm kind of like inclined to watch it. I wonder if I would like it because it kind of reminds me of like what a lot of uh, telenovelas do. Mm-hmm. You know, because the telenovelas will like, they will out the wildest concept you know they will they will they will take you back to like cleopatra and throw yes. in a bunch of mexican active in there and 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 it will feel like the most hyped broski i'm so, i love you for saying that because that is literally the feel that i got near the end of almost every single episode of bridgerton okay all of you guys out there mi gente like if you guys are on the fence about watching bridgerton like just think about like an english ass Tela novela with like really hot like prince guy in there. Just like the drama was just like ridiculously like captivating and the dialogue is captivating and yes, I couldn't think of a better way to describe it. I mean that's what it looks like every time I look at it. Yeah, I, yeah, it yeah, looks yeah. like uh I mean that's the same reason why people love the novela. It's the it's the over uh, exuberance of like mm-hmm. everything, the acting, the dialogue. Yes, it's like, it's yes, just, it, you it, can be mucho mucho. How do you say passion in Spanish? Yeah, Pasión. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Pasionado. So, so yeah. I give it a solid like for its genre, like nine out of ten Veronica star, eight and a half, eight and a half to nine out of ten Veronica stars. It was pretty good. Eight? I enjoyed myself thoroughly. Okay. Yeah. It was good trash TV, but it was like quality trash, if that makes any sense. Like, it doesn't make me smarter, but like, it makes me more of a romantic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. kind of like, like every time I think of quality trash, I think of like SpongeBob uh, cleaning the garbage in that one episode. Can't have dirty garbage. I mm-hmm. always think of that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's very clean garbage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but it is uh, the Night Stalker uh five four-part documentary on netflix you mean the thing <clears throat> that i refuse to watch with you yeah yeah, yeah. the <laughs> thing that i wouldn't watch unless you stepped out the door pretty yeah, much yeah, yeah 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 um veronica this thing uh for just hating true uh, crime but we'll crime. we'll get that in a discussion into another time because i can crime, rant about that true crime that. anything but yeah, yeah, I hate yeah true that's crime. for that's for another day mm-hmm. so uh the nice doc- documentary for people who don't know is based on the life and terrible crimes of Richard Ramirez, mm-hmm. uh, who during the 1980s in Los Angeles went on a tirade of breaking into people's homes, m- murdering them savagely, and getting away with it for the most part until he was eventually caught. Uh, and it just really chronicles like uh, law enforcement and detectives, them the homicide department to be specific about them trying to like piece together, you know, this guy's different, you know, because every time there is a serial killer out there and well prior to him they always knew that serial killers tend to follow a a specific pattern and he was the first one to like really go all over the place you know uh besides the fact that it was like mostly people in houses they really they really didn't have anything to go off of you know it was like random married couple couples sometimes it was a single white female sometimes it was an asian couple sometimes it was a mexican sometimes it was um so he's I, I, equal opportunist murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and it was just like it was just like like what what is it with this guy? You know, like mm-hmm. like they couldn't find like what um, a pattern. What yeah, a pattern. You know what stuck 
and uh, really goes through a great job of like them trying to figure this out and then eventually kind of like what led to like him giving away his uh his uh his identity and yeah uh i've been knowing about richard ramirez for maybe since high school because i, I was that that kid from a very young age who was very fascinated by uh true crime stuff and would watch forensic files and id tv all the time and i remember i watched richard uh, richard ramirez um thing on court tv back before it turned into true tv and it was like a like an hour-long kind of thing that kind of broke down so a lot of the information i kind of already knew but it was it was cool to like finally see like the police like the investigative side of it because about his life i already kind of knew about what he went through as a child and and what kind of led him to become the person that he became uh so yeah check it out on netflix it's called night stalker but by, by the way that's like his uh his name that he didn't give himself the, the media actually gave him that name um but that's the name of the documentary so yeah check it out okay uh, how many do you got of those sources again i'll give it four four out of five Oh, oh, okay, okay. So we're going so eight out of ten then. Yeah, like, you, like you're a, making me do math here, Mexicano. It's like an eight out of ten, yeah. Okay, all right, add it. Okay, all right. So you have uh, Bridgerton and Night Stalker. They're both from Netflix, and that about rounds it out today for the first podcast of the new year, 2021. We're gonna do it big. We're gonna do it good, just like we should. All of that good stuff, me and they were excited to see what comes next, and we will see you next week on the In Living Spanglish podcast. We out. Yep.